Being a chef means keeping your cool in the kitchen. And with Resi Priority Notify and Global Dining Access through my Amex Platinum card, right this way, it's nice to try someone else's food for a change. That's the powerful backing of American Express. Terms apply. Learn more at americanexpress.com slash with Amex. Welcome back, everybody. It's the Fantasy Pros Dynasty Fantasy Football Podcast. I'm your host, Scott Bogman. Follow me on the Twitter at Bogman Sports. I'm joined, as always, by my friendo, Pat Fitzmorris at Fitz underscore FF on the Twitter machine. Fitzy, I say as always, but you weren't here last week. We had to uh, sub for you. Cody was awesome. Uh, we did a three-round Superflex rookie-only mock. I think it went really well. Did did When you looked at it, was there any pick that you thought, what is Bogman doing? What is Wormley doing? What is Cody doing? Did you have any of that sense of what's going on here? I have a sense of what's going on right now, Boggs, because I haven't actually seen it. I just got back in town oh, yesterday, so Fitzy, I'm sorry. You out. What stunned you? Tell me what what surprised you of the picks. I don't think anything really uh, was super shocking. That's why I was kind of asking you. I thought it was a little bit standard. There were a couple guys that I like more than Cody. Cody likes more than me. Uh, same thing with Worm. Uh, I think Worm was like nervous about his. He did. I. You might have done the best job out of all of us. So uh, I thought it was great. But today on the show, we are going to talk about um, tiering these rookies, and we're kind of going to build it out ourselves. Normally, we go a little deeper. We're kind of debating between doing like an overall top 36 since we just came off, um, you know, the most recent Superflex mock. But we decided at this point, because so much is still going to be decided by the combine, to go positional. Um, and I think that's the right way. So what I did was I have my tiers, how I see it as of right now. Things will change. The combine will change things. I don't know. Pro days will change a little. I don't really believe any numbers that pro days put up fits. I don't know about you. Like I just remember, didn't JJ Ortega Whiteside run like a four, four at a pro day or something. And I'm come on, man. Like, you know, this is like when you tell the doctor your weight instead of them weighing you, you know, you're coming up light a little bit every time there, I feel like, or if you're underweight, you're coming up a little over, you know, whatever it is. Uh, you, you're kind of eyeballing it a little too much instead of getting real numbers uh, at pro days. And they're always favoring the player. I don't really buy into pro days, but the combine will, of course, change things. And it's not just the numbers that we see at the combine, right? Fits. It's what are the GM saying? What are the people in the know saying? Is there, you know, anything concluded and then when march rolls around um and we get free agency to start team needs shrink and shrink players move higher and higher up boards in terms of you know what a team that is picking high needs so a lot is still going to change but this is kind of how we see it based on what has happened up till now correct yeah definitely boggs and of course, we want to pay attention to the 40 times for certain players, especially players who are maybe, oh, I don't know, sort of on the on the cusp between being like a day one or a day two guy or a day two guy or a day three guy. And like who could really I think there's some people who could really help themselves. Like, I don't think anyone is expecting Keon Coleman to, you know, run a sub four for 40 time. He's just not that kind of a guy. But we also don't want to see him at four seven. You know what I mean? So, um, uh, but there's certain guys I think who could run blazing fast times and really help themselves. And of course, the jumps are sort of underrated too. Um, the shuttles may be more important for some people than others. I, I I know some people were worried when DK Metcalf ran a bad shuttle time, and it doesn't really matter for a guy like that. Oh, he, he's it's just my not that thing to make fun of. Yeah, we've talked about that one before. But uh, the the jumps are pretty good too because it shows explosion. And and we want that. Um, so, yeah, there's there's going to be a lot to talk about after the combine, obviously, and we'll break it all down on this show. But, uh, you know, this is we're taking kind of a nice snapshot here, Boggs. So some of the basic stuff, too, like, uh, you know, hand size, uh, height, weight. I mean, I know we're, we won't talk about him here, but like Tavondre Sweat, the big interior defensive lineman for Texas, didn't weigh in at the senior ball. And everyone is like, well, why? Did he not weigh in? Is it because he's going to be 400 pounds? You know what I mean? Because he's a big boy. Um, but, uh, you know, it was pointed out, I was listening to Trevor Sikama talk on PFF, and he said, 
well, it just makes more sense for him to cut weight, and then he's going to run faster at the combine anyway. Play big at the Senior Bowl, cut as much weight as you can, and then your your forty time is going to be better at the combine as well uh, when you cut weight. So I think it makes sense. But uh, let's get into it. Let's start at quarterback here, and Fitz, this is how I see it, and I'll just give you the tiers that I have, and then you can tell me what is different about your tiers. So I have four for quarterback right now, and I have. The top three tier. I have them in a tier. Caleb Williams, Drake May, Jaden Daniels. The reason I have them in in this tier together are, and I think there are differences, obviously, but I think to me it's I put Jaden Daniels in this tier because I do still think he has the most upside. He has the most rushing potential of any of these three guys. Now, I will say that last year when we were doing this, we just took the fantasy guy, Anthony Richardson, and said, look, Maybe he's not as good as these other guys, but we know for fantasy, they're all kind of close together. We're going to put the guy with the rushing skill way at the top where he, you know, where he needed to go. Uh, Not a lot of people had CJ Stroud one. Uh, Some people had Bryce Young one, Um, but it was pretty much Richardson and then the other two guys. And the reason that I I still think Jaden Daniels has the highest potential for fantasy of any of these three QBs. But I do think that Caleb Williams and Drake May are just more reliable because we have multiple years of them being the guy. Jane Daniels really did it one year with LSU. He won the Heisman. He was amazing. But his other years with ASU, I'm not going to say they were pedestrian, but he did not. He wasn't on this hype train like Williams and May were coming in. So we've seen multiple years of it from those guys. I think they're safer picks. But I still have Jaden in there because I do think he still has the most upside in terms of fantasy. Is this the right tier, or would you leave Jaden uh, Daniels out of it? So I have it a little different, Boggs. I, I see Caleb Williams as sort of a tier unto himself. Okay. And then I've got a three-man tier behind that with May and Daniels and J.J. McCarthy, who I don't think it's a slam dunk that he is the number four quarterback in this draft. I think it's possible he goes ahead of either May or Jaden Daniels. And I actually uh, put my money where my mouth is, Boggs. I put a small little bet down where I bet J.J. McCarthy to go in both the number two and the number three overall spots, plus 2,200 at number two, plus 900 at number three. Because I I do think it's going to be quarterbacks one, two, three, regardless. And it would not shock me if J.J. McCarthy wound up in there. Like, and it's such a projection for him because of the way he played at Michigan and how he was sort of asked to be this game manager, but uh, traits, 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 like everyone loves the traits with him, the arm strength, um, what they've seen of him when he's asked to throw the ball frequently or throw it against good defenses, his mobility, his size. Um, Everyone loves that stuff. And, and like for me, Drake may has been my number two all along and I don't doubt that, but it's funny I've seen a lot of people sort of um, naysaying about Drake May, like they're not enamored with the arm talent for some reason, which uh, I don't know how you watch his tape and not be very fond of the arm talent. Um, but Daniels, getting back to him, Boggs, he is the one wild card for me because it's hard to argue with what he did last season. The numbers he put up were absolutely phenomenal, and he did it in the best conference in the country. But at the same time, he had only this one year of otherworldly production. He had, you know, possibly two of the top four receivers in this draft that he was throwing to, although, you know, no one knocked Joe Burrow when he had the same type of situation at LSU uh, a few years before Jaden Daniels had that situation at LSU. And he kind of takes a lot of slobber knockers, Boggs. When you watch him play, he, d- he does get popped and, every and he's, once in a while. Yeah, he's certainly not Anthony Richardson sized. So you worry about that a little more with a slighter framed quarterback. So I, I like Jaden Daniels a lot. I'm just not. I've never the projection of the NFL has just never been a crystal clear one for me. So he he's kind of a, a mystery box coming in. That that's fair. And, and like I said, I still have him at third. Uh, because I just can't put him ahead of Williams May because I'm, you know, I mean, 
I, I don't say I will never say can't miss because, you know, pretty much everybody missed on Rosen. Right. So I won't say can't miss, but they're as can't miss as they come to me uh, for Caleb Williams and Drake May. Right. So that's why for me, I understand the love for McCarthy. I don't have as much of it as you and Thor and Debro seem to have with McCarthy. I do like McCarthy, but I am a little concerned about the way he was used at Michigan, right? It was, uh, he passed sparingly and so much on the defense was focused on the run game that it made those passes maybe a little bit easier for him. So it's just about that transition. So my second tier, which obviously we're a little mixed up now is I have possible first rounders McCarthy. Uh, I, I do think he's going to be a first rounder. I do think that Penix and Bo Nix are on the bubble, right? I think that there's a potential for them still to go into the first round. Not so much because either one of them really deserves to be in the first round. I don't know that they do. I think in most years you would look at these guys and go, these are second round guys, but that's not the way the NFL works. When the NFL had nothing but third and fourth round quarterbacks in the draft a couple of years ago, Pickett still went in the first round, right? Team, some teams are quarterback desperate. And I think it's going to push these guys value up. I think, you know, you get the extra year. I've mentioned this multiple times, get the extra year on the contract. Um, if you take these guys in the first round, so maybe a couple teams trade up back into the first round at the bottom to get that extension on these dudes. So I think Penix and Bo Nix are also potentials for the first round. So I'd put them in there with McCarthy. Obviously McCarthy is in a different tier for you. Is the next tier for you just Penix and um, Bo Nix? I've debated whether to put Spencer Rattler in with those okay. two. And I I don't think Rattler has any chance to go on day one. And I agree with you that Penix and Bo Nix both do a, ch- a chance Maybe both go, maybe both of them slide into early round two. Um, It's more of a mystery as to where Rattler goes, but would you be surprised if Spencer Rattler was better than Bo Nix? I don't know that I'd be shocked. Would I be surprised? Maybe a little. Um, You know, Bo Nix has a pretty good track record at Oregon, and I know everyone, not everyone, a lot of people talk about the Auburn but it's like he was starting as a freshman. We kind of talked about this with Cody uh, last week. He was starting as a freshman, you know, and it was a weird situation and the coaching staff has all gone, you know. So that is so far gone to me. I don't care about it anymore. What I care about is what has he done recently. And, you know, Penix and Knicks are completely different players that I think could end up looking close in terms of fantasy because, They both do it in different ways, but at the end of the day, the stat line may look the same, which is why, you know, things like PFF, you get different grades for the same stat line because it's different. But I think Penix is this vertical passer. I think if you put him in Minnesota, I think if you put him in Tampa Bay, you know, uh, I think if you put him in one of those spots, he's going to be great. You put Bo Nix in a place with a lot of talent like Atlanta, um, you know, where he is kind of being that Brock Purdy game manager and, you know, there's nothing wrong with being a game manager, especially with the tools that you have. If you're a Brock Purdy and in fantasy, I don't give a crap how it gets there. I just want the points to be the same, right? So they both could do it different ways, but they, you know, it requires them to be drafted in the right place. I think Bo Nix is a little more, uh, his success is going to depend more on the guys around him than Penix. But Penix also had great wide receivers at Washington, three guys that are going to get drafted this year. So, you know, was uh, I still think Penix is great. A lot of injury history there, too. But they're both a little murky. That's kind of what I have in it. Maybe McCarthy is less murky, but I still think there's a chance that they're drafted somewhat close together. So I put them in this tier. But you would have you. So you're going to put Rattler in with those guys, or is this something that you're waiting for the combine results and maybe some of the buzz from the combine to come out? I'm on the doing that on the fence about it. Ultimately, I would say no, Rattler's not on the same tier as Penix and Knicks, but I think he almost worked himself onto the cusp of that with his senior ball performance. And I know he not not only like in practices in the game, but I think his uh, interviews and uh, like with the media, I don't know how things have gone with the teams he's talked to or if, you know, he's had a lot of communication with the teams that might be looking to draft a quarterback. But 
Um, you know, I, I know Eric Froton and, and some of the other people who talked to Rattler were really impressed by how he carried himself and, uh, you know, how businesslike and just seemed like he had a great head on his shoulders. For a guy who's been bounced around a lot and, and came into the college ranks as this uber prospect and had probably more things go wrong than right for him uh, at the collegiate level in so many ways. But I, yeah, I go feel ahead. like there's been less talk about Spencer Rattler, who has been amazing in the process so far, than there was about Stetson Bennett last season, um, you know, who was getting arrested during the senior bowl because he didn't go, right? And there's a question to whether that guy is even going to play football anymore. So, yeah, look, Spencer Rattler was a problem during his Netflix days. That was five years ago. That's over. And he was a kid. You know, there's been a lot of maturation. He went from Oklahoma to South Carolina. Now he's in the pros. There's once again, a lot like the Bo Nick stuff. I don't care. It's in the past. What can he do for me now? I think Denver is a perfect spot for him. You know, I've said this a bunch of times too, but a coach that has worked with a undersized quarterback and made him great before Sean Payton with Drew Brees. So I think Rattler would fit in Denver. Yeah, but um, before we move on, just one mm-hmm. one thing, Boggs. I am not uh, quite in love with McCarthy to the extent that Debro and and Thor are. And just to be clear, yeah, okay. I mean, like I'm I'm very. It's more. I mean, I thought he was. I'm sorry. Did someone on this podcast just say that they put bets on uh, McCarthy to go second and third? Well, that's, you're not as high as those guys. That's partly it. Like I'm, I'm intrigued by the tools, Boggs, but it's okay. more the buzz you hear about where he's going to go okay. in drafts and how he has been steaming up boards and how maybe you know, like everyone seems to be reporting that the NFL likes him a lot more than uh, draft Knicks do. Right, and you know it is um, the way that these guys are looked at. First rounders, especially high first rounders keep getting opportunities whether they flame out or not look at sam darnold it took him till this year to not get an opportunity to start right so um those guys that are picked that high hold higher values specifically in super flex leagues um a couple other guys uh i have michael pratt in there with spencer rattler as kind of the day two guys i think third round i think is like where those guys fall to at most and then you have I have day three. I think Joe Milton, Jordan, Travis, Devin Leary get drafted. I don't know if it's before the sixth or seventh round for those guys because they are projects. Is there any other quarterback that you would want to throw in there that you've watched and maybe liked more than others? I mean, maybe Sam Hartman gets drafted okay. in sixth or seventh round if if someone you know loves him in interviews or something like that. But uh, we're talking about the group, even with Spencer Pratt, where it's just like, or excuse me, Michael Pratt, where you're just sort of throwing a dart at a guy who you can maybe nurture as a backup for two or three years. And, uh, you know, sort of in the, I don't know, maybe not even in the Hendon Hooker class of last year, but I'm I'm always intrigued by Joe Melton, a a guy who can put a ball into orbit and has that kind of arm talent. Uh, you know, a a guy who would not be out of place as a, uh, ninth inning closer for an MLB team. This this guy can. He's a little too wild. Yeah, I think. Yeah, he is. If you need eighty yards, he'll get you eighty yards. Uh, if you need fourteen yards, he'll get you eighty yards. You know, it's uh, the ball is coming out at that same high velocity. He doesn't have a lot of touch. Yeah, as Thor seems. has said, he is Nuke Lelouch from Bull Durham. Yes. basically <laughs> throws the gas. The you don't know where it's going. Hit the mascot! I swear to God, it's going to work. Uh, before we get to the running backs, I you know you just mentioned. It. I just want to remind you guys that. Thor Nystrom and Derek Brown recently did their uh, preview of the NFL Combine, which dropped on Tuesday. They'll be back next week to recap the Combine, so keep it locked right here on the Fantasy Pros Dynasty Football Podcast to listen to what they have to say when they get back from the Combine and listen before and uh, hear what is correct. Let's go to the running backs here, Fitzy. Um, This is tougher. Running backs and wide receivers are tougher, but... I'm going to just give you, here's how I see it as of right now. I have possible first RB off the board. I have five guys in this group. I've got Jonathan Brooks from Texas, Trey Benson from Florida State, Bucky Irving from Oregon, Blake Corn from Michigan, and your boy Braylon Allen from Wisconsin. I think these are the five running backs that could possibly be the first one off the board. Um, you know, is that how you see it? Are your tiers more granular? Um, or is that kind of how you see it? Because the running back class is a little weak this year. 
I think if Brooks was healthy, I would have Brooks and then the next four guys, but he's not healthy. He tore his ACL in November. So your thoughts on the first tier of RBs? I do think um, I kind of see the top tier the same way you do Boggs, which is interesting considering how subjective things are with this year's running back class. But uh, that is my top five, too, and I do think overwhelming uh, likelihood is that it's one of those five guys who goes number one. But if you wanted to give me 100 to 1 odds on Jalen Wright, I I think I might put five bucks on that. Um, And Jalen Wright has been impressing and moving up boards, and I have him in the next best here. I have him with – I have Wright with Audric Estime, Ray Davis, Marshawn Lloyd, and Isaiah Davis – The reason I have these guys grouped together is because I think that these are the other guys in this class that can probably handle a bigger workload. I think everybody else is not that they can't, but I think it would be more proving it, uh, especially at the NFL level. Right. I think we have some nice guys uh, in the next tier, the third tier to me, that are going to be great pass catchers. But I think these five guys, the next are the next best group that could possibly have a major workload. Do you take anyone out of that group or put anyone in in the second tier, Fitzy? Let's see. I think that is kind of the way I see it, too. Yeah, I've got um, Estime 6th, Davis 7th, Marshawn Lloyd 8th, Jalen Wright ninth, and Will Shipley 10th. So who? Oh, Isaiah Davis. So, yeah, yeah, and he's the one. He and Cody Schrader are just sort of out of – that tier for me for me and and i have also um so for me it's a four-man tier i don't have davis in that tier and i've got uh him down with schrader and shipley okay so uh and, and look and that is fair right because fcs guys the the only reason i put isaiah davis in this group is because i think the position is more translatable to the nfl than others right like i was high on uh Adam Troutman coming out after watching his film and going, oh, my God, this guy can do everything. Well, he can because the competition is way less. I think for running back, because it's such a plug-and-play position, you know, now look, if he goes out there and he tests terribly and he doesn't look athletic at all compared to his counterparts, yes, he will be lowered. But I could see him being potentially higher, too, if he goes out and tests well. Um, I have pass-catching contributors as my next here. That is where I have Shipley. Uh, Will Shipley from Clemson, Cody Schrader from Missouri, Dylan Johnson from Washington, Dylan Lobb from New Hampshire. Um, This is a little different than my last year. My last year is like kind of shots because running backs, like even if you go through and you look at some free agent running backs, Josh Jacobs, Saquon Barkley, Austin Eckler. uh, And then, I mean, if you just go further down the line, there are good guys on the wire at running back right now. So anything further than this, these four, the guys that I have further, you know, it's you're competing with some of these other guys from last year, the couple of years before that we thought were good running backs, but the position is so deep that they've either been they're on practice squads and there's even some aging guys in there that are going to compete with the rest of these dudes. But that next four, would you add anyone into uh, Lob, Dylan Johnson, Will Shipley, or Cody Schrader. Well, you very shrewdly have that build as your pass catching group, Boggs. And uh, the mm-hmm. guy I'm going to mention certainly doesn't really fit in that uh, archetype, but Kamani Vidal of Troy, who I know. Vidal. V- Vidal um, yeah, so I know Thor is really big on him, and Vidal is probably going to run some terrible time in Indianapolis because he's just not that type of dude. Um, but he might be the Kyron Williams of this class where he dramatically outperforms his 40 time because speed really isn't his game. He is just a hard-nosed uh, yardage gainer, and like he's, he's not going to win any sprints to the end zone from his own 30. Um, you know, Can't take it to the house from anywhere on the field. Not going to be that guy. He's not a Jalen Wright, but uh, really good runner, and I'm, I'm just... I, that's a guy we should probably throw the testing numbers out the window for and just pay attention to where he's taken. Um, I'm looking at uh, PFF stats for missed tackles forced, right? And uh, Imani Bailey from TCU had 70. Uh, so he had a lot. 69 from Bucky Irving, 63 from Jonathan Brooks. And these guys have just crazy high elusive ratings. Irving was 149, 140 for Brooks. 
Kamani Vidal had 94 missed tackles forced. 94. It's a lower level, of course. So you do have some, you know, guys that are going to be used car salesmen trying to make tackles and everything. I understand that. But 94 that have so many more missed tackles forced. And it's, you know, he's doing it in, in a box, in the phone booth, as we would say. And he's doing it with some power. So a guy that I really like as well. I have him in the best of the rest. I do have Vidal and Bailey up the top. Blake Watson getting a lot of buzz as well from the Shrine game. Isaac Garendo from Louisville is a guy that I watched and like. Um, Gerard Jordan, I think, could put up some impressive numbers. I know Keelan Robinson, my guy from Texas, is at least a special teamer. Jason McClellan in that group. Frank Gore Jr. is a power runner as well. Anybody else that you like from this group or anyone else that I left off that you would need to put in uh, for running back tiers? Garendo is really interesting as a size speed guy because he is a big dude and he can fly. I mean, he had transferred from Wisconsin where I got to see a lot of him bogs and, and didn't really have any sort of foothold in the running back rotation there to, to the extent that there was any sort of rotation. Cause I think he came in while Jonathan Taylor was playing there and then uh, was sitting behind Chaz Malusi and uh, Braylon Allen and had to transfer. But um, man, he can run really good kick returner. I think that's how he gets a foothold in the league. And then maybe just maybe he can be developed into someone who can pitch into an NFL running back rotation. Yeah, and special teams are going to get a lot of those guys drafted at the end. When you're splitting hairs, you're looking at the difference uh, between a couple of these guys. Like you said, special teams going to be what puts some of these guys on a roster. I was just going to ask you about tier one real quick. Jonathan Brooks is your, uh, so you're a Texas guy. There there might yeah. be a little bit of bias involved. We both got guys from our programs in our top five. Um, you're not worried that I, Brooks's rookie year is basically going to be a redshirt year? I am. Uh, I, I am. And like I said, if if Brooks didn't have the knee injury, I'd have been a tier by himself because I do think he's the best running back in this class. Um, and I was I got to say, I was a little underwhelmed watching the running backs here in this class. And I'm usually I mean, I love running backs. I grew up watching Jerome Bettis. You know what I mean? Uh, Bam Morris, big hulking runners and defense. That is what the Steelers were built on. That's what I love to watch. So. I, I probably get a little overhyped, I think, on most running backs coming out, um, especially guys that make some big explosive plays or look really, really fast in the open field, make guys miss, things like that. I, I probably myself, just because I love the position, um, get a little overhyped. And I found myself a little unimpressed. I thought Trey Benson ran a little upright. I thought your boy Braylon Allen was a little slow. I know he's still young and everything, but I don't know if we're getting that speed. Um, from him, but I mean, if he does, if he is fast enough, there's so much upside there. Uh, I think my favorite guy outside of Brooks is Bucky Irving. I do think he needs to go to a system that fits him, uh, but he's so shifty in the open field. He's not going to be a guy that gets, you know, 20 touches, but I do kind of see him in that Devon Achan, Achan, I always screw his name up now, that is not Devin Achan, um, but um He's kind of built in that same. He's a speed back, right? Uh, he's shifty. He's a little bit more than a speed back, a lot like Achan. But I think that if, like, my vision of him is put him in Philly, right? Put him in Philly. And uh, when you have Jalen Hurts to worry about, you have AJ Brown and Devontae Smith and Dallas Scott, you have all of these weapons to worry about in Philly. You get a little extra room to run. And he he hits the whole hard, man. I'm excited about Bucky Irving. Um, so I think he, he's my one, but I do, I, I think this is the right group of guys that could be the first off the board. Cause I have, I'd be no, sh uh, no, no shock to me. If Blake Corm is the first guy off the board, he did it. Braylon has so much potential. Trey Benson is so fast, right? I don't, I'm not going to be surprised if any of those guys are first off the board. I am going to be surprised if Jalen Wright's first off the board, right? I won't be shocked. But I'll be like, okay, well, you took him over Brooks. You took him over Benson. You took him over Irving. You took him over all these guys. I think have a little more upside than Jalen Wright. So I would be surprised there. Um, anything else in terms of the running backs or the tiers for the RBs here, Fitz? Is there anyone we missed that you wanted to bring up? No one we missed, Boggs. But I do think that this is going to be a very draft-sensitive um, group as far as rankings go. 
Like, um, Absolutely. we have Jonathan Brooks, number one, and, and if he goes to a great place, a, a place where he is poised to come in and uh, at the end of 2024, early 2025, and just tear it up in a good offense with a coach we like, great. But, man, I mean, I think Blake Corum goes from a possible number one in uh, Dynasty rookie drafts to a sure number one if the Chargers let Austin Eckler walk and draft Blake Corm in the second round. Right. Like he's a yes. slam dunk number one on everyone's board at that point. Or if uh, the Ravens draft Braylon Allen in the second round or Trey Benson right. for that matter. Like I, I know, mm-hmm. you know, your concerns about Benson, but I'm sure some of them would be assuaged if all of a sudden Benson lands in a great spot where he's the lead guy yeah. in a really prolific offense uh, with a good running game. Put him in Philly, right? Yep. Uh, put put him uh, somewhere where he is going to be the number one. Great. Put him with the New York Giants, where now you're facing nine man boxes because the O line sucks and they have no passing game. Then yeah, uh, there's way way different. So all running backs are, um, you know, draft sensitive. But this year specifically, yes. I, I agree with you, especially since the top tiers that group. Like last year, it wouldn't matter where Bijan Robinson went; he was one off the board. Didn't matter, right? Same thing with Gibbs was two. Didn't matter where he was going. Gibbs was two. And he didn't end up in a good spot, and he was still number two, Gibbs was. So, um, yeah, I'm absolutely with you. Before we go to wide receivers by now, most of you have probably heard of Reality Sports Online, the powerful fantasy sports platform where owners get to build and manage their fantasy team like an NFL general manager. But the question is, have you tried it? It's time to see what all the buzz in the dynasty community is about. Free agency, multi-year contracts, a rookie draft, multi-team trades, franchise tags, contract extensions, first-round rookie options, automated contract and salary cap functionality, and much, much more. Think it sounds complicated? It is not. The best thing about Reality Sports Online Fantasy Front Office is that it doesn't take any more time than a standard league. It just requires more strategy. Think you're among the fantasy elite? This is the platform to test your mettle. If you're still not sure, you can test out your general manager skills for FRWE free in a mock-free agency auction. If you like what you see, Use the promo code FANTASYPROS to receive a 10% discount on your team or league today. That's promo code FANTASYPROS to receive a 10% discount on your team or league today. Fantasy just got real at realitysportsonline.com. There are some things that are too good to keep a secret. Like how your Amex Platinum card helps you have the perfect trip. I'd like to check into the Centurion Lounge. Or how it seems like you always get those hard-to-snag tables. Ooh, yum. And how you get the most out of select can't-miss events. With access to the Centurion Lounge, Resi Priority Notified, and Amex card member benefits at select events, you'll have to share. That's the powerful backing of American Express. Terms apply. Learn more at americanexpress.com slash with Amex. Attention all wrestling aficionados. Wrestling with Freddie makes its triumphant return for an electrifying fourth season. This is Freddie Prince Jr., and I am beyond thrilled to announce that our wrestling extravaganza is back, and joining me once again is the one and only Jeff Dye. Get ready as we highlight the most jaw-dropping matches, dissect the fiercest feuds, and uncover the latest twists and turns in the world of pro wrestling. We're dusting off our legendary side quests and unleashing a barrage of brand new segments that will keep you guys on the edge of your seat like our talks on unsanctioned Thursdays. Freddie, you know we gotta give the people what they want. This season, we have an all-star lineup of special guests who are gonna be gracing our podcast, bringing with them their own unique insights, experiences, and all of that in the world of pro wrestling and beyond. Whether you're a seasoned wrestling veteran or a fresh-faced newcomer, we promise an experience like no other. So buckle up, wrestling fans. Listen to Wrestling with Freddie as part of the My Cultura Podcast Network, available on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. If you love sports and true crime, then there's a new podcast from executive producer Dan Patrick and hosted by me, Jay Harris, that you won't want to miss. Playing Dirty, Sports Scandals. Each week, I'm squeezing the juiciest details from some of the biggest sports scandals ever. I'm talking Marcus Dixon, Olympic gymnastics, Kane Velasquez, salacious Super Bowl-level scandals. Join me on the dark side of sports by listening to Playing Dirty Sports Scandals on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Let's go to the wide receivers. This one, woo, there is so much talent in this class that it is hard i feel like to tear out the whiteouts fitzy uh i'll just tell you how i have it for the top three guys i have the tippy top which is malik and uh marvin harrison 
And then I have the Roma Dunze tier, which is just Roma Dunze. Um, I understand if you want to put him in uh, with Malik and Marvin Harrison. I don't. I think, I mean, every day I feel like I'm inching more towards putting Malik over Marvin Harrison. I don't think I can do it. I think they're both really, really good. Um, so to me, that's a coin flip, but it's not. I would put Rome firmly third behind those guys. So, and I still think he's awesome. He's so he's so much better than anybody else that was in last year's class. So he's still very, very high to me. But to me, uh, I've got Malik and Harrison in that first tier. How are you separating the top three guys there? Marvin Harrison by himself, Neighbors, and Odunze together. And I, like I, I think Neighbors is closer to Odunze than Harrison. And I know that's sort of um, now suddenly that makes me the hot takey one. But I, I do think the people who are talking about having neighbors ahead of Marvin Harrison is kind of just a nonconformist thing. Honestly, Boggs, like I, I don't know how you could say that when you've got the guy who's bigger, who literally I, I don't know what the holes in Marvin Harrison's game would be. And neighbors is a remarkable playmaker in his own right. No knocks on him whatsoever except he's played uh, like his quarterbacking has been far superior, certainly last year. And um, with Brian Thomas playing along with him. Uh, so like defenses can only give so much attention to Malik neighbors. Whereas uh, then again, uh, Harrison did have uh, other great receivers, of course. So that that's not an argument like exclusively uh, to neighbors, but I, I just, Seeing is believing with Marvin Harrison. Maybe it's my Big Ten bias, Boggs, but I just think he is the the best in the class, hands down. I think it. You know, if you're boiling wide receivers down to one stat, I think yards per route run is my favorite. And uh, Marvin Harrison is three point four four. Malik Neighbors is three point six four. Uh, Troy Franklin's three three two. Uh, Javon Baker's three two one. Leggett was three one five. Those are the only guys over three. Malik Washington over three. Um, Taz Washington over three. I I guess my one difference sliding between these two guys would be I think Harrison is going to make the bigger plays, the more downfield plays. I think Malik is going to make the more impressive broken tackles, uh, catch it short and run with it plays. So but they're both getting you there the same way, which is why I have them in the same tier. And I have Rome third, which I still think Rome is very good. Um, I just think Malik neighbors has a way to, it's almost Antonio Brownish, And obviously I watched a lot of Antonio Brown um, where he is not slowing down. There's like the, the stop start is maybe better than anyone I've ever seen. So I think that's the one thing that is pushing me towards neighbors and Harrison. I can't do it. I haven't done it yet. So I have them, but they're next to each other. So if the Cardinals were going to take Malik neighbors instead of Marvin Harrison, I wouldn't say, what the hell are you doing? You got to take Marvin. I think Fitz would, but I would be like, okay, they got another really good one. Who's going to get Marvin now? Now Marvin is the deal. I think whoever gets taken second is the deal between those two. Uh, so, but I, I asked you about the top three. Because I think that's the clear, you know, that's the clear tippy top. There's no one else that's challenging those three, right? Correct. Correct. Okay. Big, big drop off, I think, after Odunze. And, I um, think so, too. Yeah, and it's uh, totally fair points on Malik Neighbors. And uh, our guy Matt Waldman has talked to us before about how maybe one of the most important traits, not only at, at the running back position, but a wide receiver too, is the ability to change direction without slowing down. And Malik neighbors yeah. is a special dude in that facet of the game. And you could see it last year. It didn't translate to the field, but you could see it like watching Calvin Ridley through his breaks and everything versus Christian Kirk and everybody else in Jacksonville. And you could just tell athletically Calvin Ridley was the best. Does it mean he's going to be the best on the field? No, he was good last year. Uh, he wasn't everything people thought he was going to be though. So anyway, I have the next tier as borderline first rounders. At, and this is, I can see any of these guys going in the first round. I have Brian Thomas from LSU, Keon Coleman from Florida state, Adnai Mitchell from Texas, Xavier Worthy from Texas and Troy Franklin from Oregon. I have not settled on an order for these guys yet because I feel like I like the guy who I watched last 
between all four of them the most, right? Uh, which will get separators in the combine plus with some buzz. But this is my next group. Is this your next group? Is anyone out of this? Do we put anybody else in it? What are your thoughts? My exact group, but I would add Lad McConkey to this group. Okay, Lad is going in there. Yeah. Okay. But um, yeah, Coleman, Keon Coleman, Brian Thomas, Troy Franklin, Xavier Worthy, Lad McConkey, Adnai Mitchell. So yeah, okay. um, we're pretty much in lockstep here, Boggs, with uh, the exception of McConkey. Um, but uh, yes, testing for these guys and where they go in drafts um, is going to be really interesting. But I, I don't think anyone from this group falls past round three. There's no chance. Um, no. This is a... a some of these guys are going to be round one. It's possible none of these guys go after the second round, let right. alone like in some ways I'd, I'd be, I think I would be surprised if any of these dudes slipped into the third round. Okay. So I think I would be, but this depends on how the board breaks. Plus so much is going to depend in on the wide receiver class from not only the combine, but also the signings, right? Um, and is it, are we going to get a game of wide receiver chicken from general managers in the first and second round of we're not taking wide receivers because I know I can get a good wide receiver later because there's so many of them. So I'm going to take my offensive linemen that are upper tier, my edge guys that are upper tier, my corners, you know, things that positions that are less depthy, not only in this draft, but also in the league. So I think it's going to be interesting once we get there as to where these guys are going to end up going because are we going to get that? You know, because even doing mock drafts and watching mock drafts, I keep hearing, I saw Rick Spielman do one the other day uh, for CBS and he was saying, I'm not going to take the wide receiver here because I know I can get a good one in the second round. So I'm going to take an O lineman for whatever team. I'm going to take a D lineman for whatever team because I know I can address this position later our actual GM is going to have that same thought process. That is going to be very interesting. Yeah. Leveraging so. the depth of the position. I could see that happening. Um, but man, at the same time, like it's, you got to get the best players and these guys are good. Yeah. yeah. I mean, <laughs> and if you, um, you know, if you've got all your picks and, and you don't want to have to move up, you got to wait 32 picks till your next guy, unless you right. start to panic and there's a wide receiver run and all of a sudden you have to move up to get one of the guys you want before there's a drop off on your big board on your team board. So, um, yeah, we'll be interesting to see who, how this is played. Um, and, and there's some guys behind the second tier who, um, I'm, I'm sure some NFL teams would maybe include with that second tier group or, or third tier yeah. group before splitting up the top three in the two tiers. Right. And, and you know, um, that, that tier we'll, we'll just go to it, but real quick, in this tier of, you know, you're throwing uh, McConkie in here with Brian Thomas, Keon Coleman, Adonai Mitchell, Xavier Worthy, Troy Franklin. If you're throwing Jordan Addison coming out of USC in that group, is he more of a close to Roma Dunze guy or is he in this group and is he at the top of it or is he kind of mixed in to this group? here? I'd put him up like with Odunze. I mean, that's okay. a, yeah, I, I think Addison is pretty and maybe I didn't think that last year. And should have been on him more, but now that I've seen it, uh, sure. seen him in the NFL, um, and and probably seeing that he got Kenny Pickett drafted in the first round, I should have thought that way all along no. with him. It's not that's not just Jordan Addison; that's also bad drafting from Pittsburgh. True. So, uh, yeah, I'm not letting him off the hook. I have the next tier as the big tier, and I like all these guys so much. Um, I've got Roman Wilson in here from Michigan, obviously at the senior bowl jumped up a lot. I have Lad McConkey in here. We'll put him in the above tier and not mention him here because we've already talked about him, but I also have Ricky Pearsall from Florida, Javon Baker from U uh, UCF, uh, Jalen Polk from Washington, Malachi Corley from Western Kentucky, Brendan Rice from USC, Devontae Walker from North Carolina and Xavier Leggett from South Carolina. I still put in here, even though they are lowering themselves in the process. I still think the tape says a lot. I mean, maybe Walker has fallen beyond this tier because of the drop issues, right? And Leggett came in a little bit more undersized than we expected him to uh, at the senior bowl. Uh, but his production was still really good. I think Walker's still very talented. So I, I would accept if you have those guys a little bit lower, 
I know I'm higher on Brendan Rice than most people as well. The rest, I think, are definitely uh, in this tier. So is this third tier, fourth tier, however you want to break it up, is it as big as this to you, or are you a little more granular in your tiering of these wide receivers? No, and again, it's um, as with the last group, I'm pretty much in lockstep with you, except I would add one more guy. I would add Jalen McMillan from Washington. Okay. Like, I, I yeah. think... To me, I don't think there's a huge gap between Polk and McMillan. And and wasn't McMillan sort of ahead of Polk in the pecking order before McMillan got hurt uh, in Washington? Yeah, I mean, it, it's kind of, yeah, it, it kind of has gone back and forth. Uh, I think I like Polk with the size a little bit more um, than than McMillan, but it's not like McMillan is tiny. Right, right. So, you know, uh, yeah, I mean, I, I would accept so many other guys in this group, and we're going to get we're going to get that separation at the combine uh, once again through either testing or buzz. We're going to get it. Um, so a lot of these questions are going to be answered maybe by this time next week, uh, I, I feel like. But, um, yeah, this is such a good group. I mean, Wilson and McConkie and Pearsall and, I mean, Javon Baker, Cody uh, took Baker uh, maybe a little bit higher than I expected him to go, but he had maybe more buzz than anybody during the Senior Bowl practices. So uh, he was good as well. Do you agree with me that Leggett and Walker, while they have taken a hit, they can't be out of this tier? Because I can't, I can't push them out quite yet. Physical traits with both guys. Um, you know, and what... I don't know what kind of time Walker is going to run. I, I think he's one of the guys who could probably help or hurt himself most with his 40. Because I know at top speed, uh, he can get up to like 23 miles an hour. Um, that he's been clocked at that. And, um, yeah, like, didn't have a great week at the senior ball, but I, I think he's also a little on the younger side, so a guy who could definitely be coached up, and maybe he's not one of these guys you expect to hit right away because of the profile, because he's a little raw, because he's a vertical receiver. But, um, yeah, like, I, I still think Tez Walker is pretty exciting all in on. Leggett is kind of the interesting guy because he was – he's – not younger. He's an older prospect. Um, didn't really hit until his fifth year in college as a fifth year senior. Um, but man, like what a specimen this guy is. And if it was just a matter of some guys are, are late bloomers and the light just went on for him in 2023. So agree, we shouldn't rule him out. Um, but Boggs, unlike our second or that that big group we had that starts with like Brian Thomas and Keon Coleman, Xavier Worthy, Troy Franklin, those guys. The the draft range for those guys is probably back half of the first round to very tip top of the third round. For this group, um, I think it's anywhere from like, you know, it wouldn't shock me if Roman Wilson was like a second round pick. But it wouldn't shock me if some of these guys didn't hear their names called till the fifth. Right. Yeah, I think that's kind of what Brendan Rice is at, right? Because I like him. Uh, I like the physicality. I heard Steve Smith uh, made his pro comparison to Pacheco to him because of the way he runs, like he's angry at the ground. He's got those big high knee steps and all that stuff. For me, it's the physicality. Uh, you know, I don't know if this guy is going to test very well. I, I don't know if he's going to have eye-popping numbers or move himself up in the process at the combine. In, in fact, I don't really expect him to. But what I've seen on film is a huge catch radius, great at contested catches, um, and just physical. And I like those guys. I like those guys that are going to get in and get scrappy and not have to, you know, you don't have to beg George Pickens to block at the line. He's just going to do it. That's Brendan Rice. Uh, I, I love the motor. I love the effort uh, from that guy for sure. Um, is there, is there anyone who's the closest to moving themselves in up to the next tier? Is it Roman? Is I mean, obviously you had Ladd already in there, so we'll just take him out. But is it Roman? Is it Pearsall? Is there who's the most likely to push themselves uh, after the combine into that next year? I think it's probably Roman Wilson. If he can pair okay. a, a really good senior ball with a uh, you know good combine. good combine performance, yeah, I, I agree with you. I think it's probably Roman as well. The last year I have, I have the surprisingly still good tier, and I probably there's more wide receivers than I have listed here that can go in here. Um, you, obviously, you talked about Jalen McMillan. You have him up in the next year. Johnny Wilson with that size, 6'6", right? Uh, Jamari Thrash had a great year at Louisville. 
Uh, Malik Washington moved himself up at the Shrine game. Jermaine Burton has unteachable speed. Uh, we know Debro was high on Luke McCaffrey coming after uh, the Senior Bowl. Uh, Jaquan Jackson from Tulane, I think, is going to be a great slot wide receiver. Uh, Taj Washington, another guy that is very, very shifty out of USC. Cornelius Johnson didn't get a lot of opportunities in a 6-3 coming out of Michigan, a guy with size that was underutilized. Uh, Marcus Rosemary, uh, Rosemary Jack Saint from Georgia. I always screw his name up. I trip over it every time. But he's another guy underutilized. So many weapons at Georgia. Didn't get everything he could have there. Um, could be a better pro than a collegiate player. Uh, Nia Smith from AM is a track guy. Isaiah Williams from Illinois um, had a lot of good production as well. So uh, am I missing anybody um, from this year? I'm sure I'm missing somebody because there's so many other good ones I didn't mention. Uh, but who who do you like out of this last group? Did you did you mention Jermaine Burton, Boggs? I did. Sure. Yeah. Oh, okay, mm-hmm. all right. Um, yeah, I mean, like, how can you not be intrigued by Johnny Wilson with his, his right. size? The Marquise... Colston of this class, who uh, we're not even sure is going to be classified as a wide receiver, uh, depending on where he goes. You know, I could see someone wanting to use him as a big Darren Waller type tight end. Um, so, yeah, I mean, it's a fun group. Luke McCaffrey could be, could maybe make a case for him being a tier above, maybe a case for Burton. Um, I, I kind of like you mentioned all the names I've got in this tier. I, Isaiah Williams is kind of interesting just because he never played on some pretty run heavy teams with uh, not great quarterbacking, but he was always like struck me as a, a big 10 guy as being a really tough cover for people he was yeah. going up against. So um, yeah, I, it, it will be interesting. Probably this is the wild card group. Like you have no idea Absolutely. where these guys are going to go in the draft. Um, yeah. Fourth it, round to undrafted is probably right. the range for these guys. There's once again, going to be a lot of separation at the combine. Uh, and probably pro days too, because the class is so deep, but yeah, there's so much talent in this class. It's kind of unbelievable. Um, which is what we've been talking about for a while at the quarterback and at the wide receiver position. Um, before we go to tight ends, is there anyone else we need to mention at wide receiver here? Fitzy? I think we have everyone maybe after the combine, but as for now, I don't think we missed anyone. Uh, just to let everybody know, our mock draft simulator tool is now open at fantasypros.com slash simulator. It's a fast and free way to practice for any kind of draft. Dynasty startup drafts, rookie drafts. We're talking about it right now. Again, that's fantasypros.com slash simulator to get some mocking in today. Never too early for mock drafts, of course. Um, that takes us to the last position for skill for fantasy here. Tight ends. For me, Fitz, I mean, and I think it's pretty clear, it's the Brock Bowers tier, it's the Jatavian Sanders tier, and then it's the rest tier. Um, not overly complicated. Brock Bowers is a, you know, we'll throw it up in air quotes because it doesn't always hit the generational type of talent. Unbelievable production. I mean, we've all wanted to draft Brock Bowers in our rookie drafts since he was a freshman at Georgia. We had to wait the three years. The wait is over. Um I feel like there hasn't been so much like negative talk about Brock Bowers. That was that one picture of him standing next to Gronk where he looked like a skinny teenager, but come on, that's Gronk. You know, Gronk is enormous. Um, But I mean, just the production was unbelievable and no one else is really close to him. I love Jatavian Sanders. I don't think in terms of, you know, coming out of college, maybe at the end of the day, they'll be closer in their pro careers, but it's not close right now. It's Brock Bowers with a bullet. As her boy Thor would say, Sanders is number two with a bullet. I don't think there's anybody close to him in terms of uh, playing this position coming into the league this year that is even close. And then there are guys down there that we like traits, but they're all kind of projects in terms of fantasy. So it's really one of two options at tight end this year. It seems like, yeah, there's a broad consensus on those two being the top two. And I, yeah. there's no chance anyone jumps Jatavian ahead of Bowers. I don't think there's much chance anyone jumps Jatavian. Um, like, I don't know, maybe if someone really lit it up with the testing, like Jaheim Bell or, um, yeah, like, I don't know. And because Jaheim I, Bell would have to come in at higher than 6'1 
if he is going to light, good light things up. Good point. Know? Yeah, that's the so. issue with him, that he does not have anything close to tight end size and is really more of an H-back type jack-of-all-trades guy. Um, yeah. So, yeah, and that, that will be how these third-tier tight ends uh, fall in the NFL draft and in Dynasty rookie gra- drafts. Uh, Jaheim Bell, Cade Stover, A.J. Barnard, Dalen Hulk- Holker, Theo Johnson, uh, Ben Sinat. Am I forgetting anyone I mean, there? No, no, you're really not. I mean, I like Holker. I think he's going to be my three. Uh, the kid from Colorado State. Theo is up there though. Um, so we'll see. Ben, I, Ben's not put a put those Kansas State guys with Dan Campbell, right? Put Cooper BB in Detroit. Put Benson not in Detroit. Like those are the type of guys that uh, Dan Campbell likes. Uh, it feels like. But um, all right, so let's do this since there's not a lot to talk about at the tight ends. Brock Bowers versus wide receivers, right? Because the tight end position is fairly deep right now. Um, I don't know that it's deep, but it's the same, right? It's you have the tippy top and then you have a kind of a glob of guys. So knowing that Brock Bowers versus the rookie wide receivers, because, you know, I don't want to say versus quarterbacks and running backs too, because, you know, super flex, the quarterback value is different. But we're we're putting Bowers against the wide receivers. Who do you take at wide receiver over Brock Bowers for sure, regardless of landing spot? As of now, in my overall, I've only got Harrison and Neighbors ahead of him. But I consider it basically a coin flip between Bowers and Odunze. What about, okay. What about you? I th- I think I have him behind those four wideouts, and then it's or those three wideouts, excuse me, and then he's fourth. So. But I'll say maybe landing spot would change me uh, for more for Bowers than for Odunze and Malik Neighbors, right? Oh, or Marvin Harry. I mean, I'm not taking him ahead of Neighbors and Harrison for sure. I think Odunze is the question. So maybe like if Bowers ended up in New England, right, where they have nobody else and it's just Brock Bowers. Maybe I'd take him ahead of Roma Dunze if he ended up in Cincinnati somehow. Yes. Whatever. Yes. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like that is, that's the one spot where it would have to be pretty specific for me to do it. Uh, but that's probably it. And Brock Powers is awesome, but still fourth. The wide receivers are so good. Even um, if he. At it, best third. At best. Yeah. Even uh, that's if what I would say. he went to a very suboptimal place like New England, for instance. I still think I'd have Bowers ahead of Troy Franklin, uh, Brian Thomas, Keon Coleman, all those wide receivers in tier three who we like. I want him to go to New England. I, I think New England's a good spot uh, if they get a quarterback right in yeah. the first round. Yes. Uh, you know, but I mean, how would they get Brock Bowers? But, um, you know, if he were to go to New England, I think that'd be a good spot because they have nobody else. He'd right. get peppered with targets, you know, maybe 15 targets a game or some absurd number. Uh, you know, uh, realistically, probably seven or eight, but just more uh, potentially than Odunze if he ended up in a spot, you know, if he's in Atlanta, let's put Odunze in Atlanta, right next to, yeah. well, now he's third, right? Fourth in the pecking order because you have Bijan, then you have Drake, then you have Pitts, and then you would have Odunze. Odunze could easily work himself, I feel like, to being better than Drake London because he is that type of talent, but it, it wouldn't be instant. I think it would might take a little bit. So anyway, uh, we've talked a lot about our tiers. Um, this is how we have them. Is there anything? What was the most egregious of my tiers that you hated here? Fitzy? Was it the fact that I have Odunze behind neighbors, uh, and Harrison, or was it, was it that I didn't have lad in with those other, uh, whiteouts? Probably. I mean, really nothing. I'm, I'm surprised how uh, in sync we are, Boggs. It, it might be mm-hmm. a boring run up to the draft. We're not going to argue as much as we'd hoped. Oh, um, uh, we'll find something. Yeah, Don't exactly. Worry about it. Uh, no, I mean, I think I'm probably the outlier in having a Dunze close to neighbors and maybe just McConkie. I, I think Lad. Okay. D- and to be honest, pre senior bowl, I wouldn't have had him in that tier either. But after the senior okay. bowl, I, I think you have to put him there and like what he put on film in those practices. I mean, um, he's just always open. That's the yep. thing with Lattice. He's always open. Such a smooth so mover. Good. Yeah. But but also, uh, I build a little bit into it. Okay, well, you had so much talent at Georgia. 
you know, people trying to cover Brock Bowers too. Not for all of this year though. Brock Bowers missed a big old chunk. So, um, right. you know, Ladd was doing it by himself a little bit too. So maybe I do need to put him in that tier, but I like all those guys. I like him and Roman and, and Pearsall. And I still, like I said, I still think Leggett and Walker, uh, even though they're moving down boards a little bit right now, I think they could easily build themselves back up with good showings at the combine. But that is it for us for this week. We will be back next week. Uh, normal time, I think, next week. So uh, the traveling man here is going to be back from all of his pit stops of Vegas and Nashville and everything. So he should be back on track in the next week. But that is going to wrap it up for us. Uh, follow me on Twitter at Bogman Sports and Fitz at Fitz underscore FF. And we will see you guys next week. Take it easy, everybody. Thanks for listening to the Fantasy Pros Dynasty Football Podcast. If you love the show, the best free way to support us is by leaving a positive review on Apple Podcasts or Spotify. Follow us on X, Instagram, and TikTok at Fantasy Pros, and subscribe to our YouTube channel at youtube.com slash fantasy pros. 